Hello. The winner is. Oh, well, sorry, I didn't win it, Mr. Lemley. I know no one else I'd rather have beat me than you. I am the most frantically sought person in Cinema Land. I, Oscar, the Academy Award. Hello, welcome back to the Snub Club, the podcast where we theoretically talk about the film that has the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. I am your host, Danny Vincent. With me, as always, are these two other people who will now introduce themselves because I don't like introducing other people. Um, okay, well, I'm Sarah Knopf. Who else is here? It's me, Caleb Bunn. <laughs> and now, fun fun story for the listeners. One of the listeners will already know this. Only a, only a fun story for the listeners because it's not fun for us. Well, <laughs> no skin on my back. I, I'll, I'll give. Well, I'll give the whole story. I'll give the whole story. Is that we're recording this the day our last episode? I remember Mama came out, and my good our good listener and good friend of mine, Matt Smith. Uh, listens to the episodes since they come out. We love faithful listeners like that. And he paused it because uh, he was in the middle of something. And then he, I was like, man, I just watched a really, spoiler alert, a really bad movie for the podcast. And he's like, well, I've got about five minutes left in this, so I haven't got to you announcing yet, but I'm going to assume it's come to the stable. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> That's not the movie next week. I just watched Saints from of Iwo Jima. And he goes, uh, you might want to check that. And I do. And sure enough, uh, the movie you watched this week is in fact second place for the Snubble Club. So does that does that mean that uh Matt's gonna have to suffer along with us and watch Sands of Iwo Jima and come to the stable? Uh, no, because he proudly told me that he did not watch I Remember Mama because it looked boring. And I was like, well, it, it was. Well, I, I, my, my quote to him was, I said, well, looks can be deceiving. However, this is not one of those times. Uh, <laughs> so we watched the wrong, well, we, I watched the wrong movie this week. Caleb watched, I think you finished it, didn't you? I finished it, but I was playing Minecraft during like the last half hour. And Sarah, how many minutes did you get into it? Check your Amazon Prime. Oh, I don't even want to do that. I mean, <laughs> it was like maybe five minutes at most. Yeah. Spoiler alert, America wins World War II. So uh, we're, we're, we will talk briefly about Sands of Iwo Jima, because we watched, well, I watched it and Caleb watched a lot of it, and well, we, I'm pretty sure we all at least somewhat appreciate the opportunity to bag on John Wayne. Like, on some level, it's okay to do that. <laughs> so we'll talk about it a little bit. Then we're going to do a nice little fun year-in-review thing, because we're coming up on the year... and Well, technically, we've already passed the year anniversary of our podcasts, so it'd be a nice time to check our progress, because if this was the correct film, we would have wrapped up the 40s this week. We'll have to do it next time. It gives me more time for our new theme song, so... What? Is it a new theme song because we're entering the 1950s? Yes, every decade I'm going to try to find a song that fits the decade nice. uh, with corresponding audios. Cool. Well, all right. So, Sands of Eugene. We, we don't have anything formal for you this time. Uh, it got four nominations, no wins. 
We would do the countdown, but as I already said, we hit the movie that has no nominations. <laughs> a bunch of nominations and no wins before he got the sense of Iwo Jima. Uh, and I'm really glad that um, this film does not qualify. I'm pretty sure this is the worst thing I've watched for this podcast. <laughs> I'd have to look. I'd have to really take a look at the other ones I we, we've watched. It's, it's definitely up there. Let's, let's take a look. Is this the worst? Caleb, what did you think of the movie? <sighs> okay. All right. Maybe Affairs Two of Cellini is worse. We'll, we'll see. Maybe. Yes. Worse. Affairs of Cellini is a terrible movie. Um, if not, this, this is, is also. <laughs> yeah. So two things. First off, this is a pretty boring movie that feels like a wartime propaganda movie like Howard Hawks's uh, Air Force. Um, however, it came out several years after the war was over. And so what it just becomes is this kind of dull myth-making about what wartime was like, however, with none of the pathos or uh, introspection about the horrors of war. Everyone here, until they get shot, is having a good old grand time. And honestly, it's pretty insulting to anyone who actually fought at Iwo Jima. Um, Second thing... John Wayne is a problematic fave of mine, and I did enjoy him in this movie, even though he did absolutely oh, nothing. Uh, we got to cancel Caleb now, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah's just going to be in this whole That's section. Fine. Okay, all right, whatever. I didn't watch um, I mean, this is, I really have no, like, I did not watch this movie. I, like the I don't know cre- what to say. If I had a favorite scene, it would be probably the opening credits. I like that song. It's a little catchy. We got a nice little Star Wars crawl at the beginning. Uh, and by song, he means Halls of Mount Tezuma, the sorry. Marine Corps. It's a real anthem. song. It's not an original song. It'd be pretty funny if it was um, an original song. What? What? Let's let's hone in on let's hone in on John Wayne here for a minute. What have y'all seen with our our terrible man, John Wayne? Uh, Sarah, what have you seen? Oh, I would need to look. I mean, I definitely saw The Searchers. I've never seen it. I've seen The Door. I think You've seen Monsters Age. I've seen Monsters I've seen Avengers Age of Ultra. I think that might be. <laughs> I've been on I have been on the Great Movie Ride many times. Um oh. Rest in peace. I've I've seen the one John Wayne movie I saw was actually really cool. I saw it at the music box. At the 70 millimeter festival before the pandemic, I saw the big trail, which came out, I believe, in either 1930 or 1931. And it's an incredibly early use of CinemaScope uh, in the widescreen format, because that was back when they were trying to get it to catch on as a gimmick format. And it didn't work until television came around. But it was really cool to watch this movie from the 1930s that was shot with that aspect ratio. Um, if I remember correctly, that movie actually bombed and stalled. Uh, his career until Stagecoach came out. That does not surprise. I think that sounds about right. Uh, I didn't watch it on 70 millimeter. We saw it on a 35 millimeter print, but it still has, you know, the 70 millimeter aspect ratio that was only, like, I believe that was the only way you could get that aspect ratio at the time was to use 70 millimeter film. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've seen John Wayne in that. And that's the only John Wayne movie I've seen. I remember liking it, but more as like a, this is such an interesting little curio of, film history than of actually enjoying it as a western you know yeah john wayne is not a good actor in the sense that he can 
he can only do one thing. Um, he can only be like gruff and uh, racist, rely racist and rely at what at the time would have been like a, a an attractive form of masculinity, what we would nowadays more correctly call toxic masculinity. Um, but it is interesting because in his work with directors like Howard Hawks and John Ford, um, he was put into situations where those characters were sometimes called into question, probably most noticeably with uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, uh, which is an amazing Western uh, and stars our boy Jimmy Stewart in it, um, but is a very good deconstruction of the John Wayne type. Uh, especially contrasting him with a more idealistic character played by Jimmy Stewart. The big problem with John Wayne is that he was never a cowboy, sure, but neither was anyone else who was in westerns. But he was never in the military. Don't tell that Sam Elliott. So when sorry, don't tell that the Sam Elliott. <laughs> so when he does uh when he does war movies, it feels like someone and he wanted to be in he wanted to be in the military too but he couldn't because he was contracted to republic pictures um and he was too old for the draft so it feels like someone making up for like a period in their life they regret and it's always very empty and uninteresting performances anyway there's my john wayne spiel the only thing that i saw that i thought was interesting that i barely even looked at was that uh, Alan Dwan is apparently a very uh, interesting career as a director, but I'll be honest, I didn't really even look into his career. I didn't care enough. Like, I don't like the movie now. He's from Canada, though. I thought the movie was bad. <laughs> it is. It is bad. Nothing happens. Like, there are two, like, war scenes. The rest is this, like, dumb, cutesy, domestic life of the soldiers. There's a nice montage in there. Nice little training montage. It felt like an episode of MASH without the satire, you know? I've never watched and an episode the of MASH. talented actors and writing. People talk to me about Hawkeye on TV. I go like, where's Jeremy Renner? How dare you do Kate Bishop dirty like that? Yeah. All right, right, we should probably stop talking about the movie so Sarah actually has a reason to <laughs> well, be here. We got, we, okay, well, well, let's just I put aside what I would nominate it for, what, would, what I would have it win for of the nominations it had i give the film editing they added in some cool documentary footage with the battles and it's not seamless but it is kind of cool and it fits in with the flow of the film i also like the montage as for (laughs) giving it a nomination that's pretty tough i ended up just giving it to one of the actors (laughs) so just like i was like uh i gave it to john agar for supporting actor because he's the only actor in the movie that actually has a role besides John Wayne. What about you, Caleb? I have no clue at all. Because I didn't even... Give us a sound recording. That was my other option. It, it makes you look smart. Pick sound recording. I, sure, I guess. I mean, all these actors are bad. Republic Pictures was a B studio that only succeeded because it had John Wayne. All right. Sarah? Um. Yeah. What? 
You had to give this any award, not knowing what anything happened in the movie. What would you give it? Well, I actually wanted to read something that was on the Wikipedia page that I saw oh. last time. Oh, wait. Said... I think it might be. I think I know what this is. It's the only actually interesting fact about this movie. I would agree if it is. On, uh, on King of the Hill, this is the favorite film of Cotton Hill, father of main character Hank Hill. Hank recalls <laughs> that during his childhood, his father would travel around Texas searching for showers of this film. I don't know if you guys are familiar with King of the Hill. I love I, King of the Hill. Would you? Do you feel like this is a Cotton Hill movie? <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> yes. I haven't seen it. Sorry. It is. It's it is show. the exact amount of uh, uncritical looking at a faux patriotism that Cotton would love. Oh, this is interesting. The other interesting fun yeah. fact from the Wikipedia page is the script is the first known work to, to use the military idiom "lock and load." That is interesting. That's a fun fact. No one else finds it interesting. It's it's no king of the hell, so whatever. <laughs> um, if I were to give this an award, I would give it um best score, and or I would add best score, and I would give it um best writing. No, you would not. <laughs> <laughs> if you if this was a movie actually to cover and you watched the whole thing, we would have a lot of discussion about how this movie treats its women. But there is a joke <laughs> about how one of the women is gonna or one of the men is gonna beat his wife when he gets home. There's another thing where they just basically well, they don't basically say, they outright say the only thing these women are good for is bearing children. <laughs> so also they're in New Zealand and all the women are American. I mean that's not really Sarah, a problem be glad compared to the to other two this. things. Be glad, be glad we didn't. You didn't have to watch this. Did you know that uh, he directed uh, Alan Dwan directed "I Dream of Genie," the film? No. It's a historical musical about the writer of the song "Oh Suzanne." Wait, what? <laughs> it's "I Dream of Genie." Uh, it's about the writer of "Oh Susanna." In 1849, the song Oh Susanna is a nationwide hit, but bookkeeper Stephen Foster has given his work to various musical houses free of charge without credit. His refined true love, Inez McDowell, a classically trained singer, despises popular music and Stephen's songs. Foster's world changes when Edwin B. Christie sets him straight on the music business and launches a career as an author of the songs that the the Christie minstrels use it in their shows. So this director doesn't, yeah, yeah, this director doesn't seem great. Because uh, this movie came out after this one. Do you think we could get Barbara Eden on the podcast if we asked real nicely? Barbara Eden? Who's that? I think, is she, she still alive? Genie. Oh, Should we make her watch yeah, I Dream of Genie? Should we make her watch this I Dream of Genie movie that looks terrible? I loved I Dream of Genie as a kid. It came on right before Cheers. Actually, no, Bewitched came on after it and then cheers and i always turned off the tv in between because i didn't like bewitched oh i so. liked i would watch i dream of genie and bewitched and sometimes gillian's island and sometimes green acres just, Ooh, those are two good oh, ones i like too. green acres this is where i'd make a joke that would get so annoyed but then i remember I have an entire other podcast for those types of jokes so i'll keep it to myself uh <laughs> so, do we want to want to just go into like our fun little year in review thing we yeah, want to sure We've watched 27 movies for this podcast. 28. This is this would be our 28th. 27 and a half. What counts yeah. as a half? So, let's name... Do we want to uh, put any rules for our superlatives that we're just going to do for the heck of it? Because, why not? 
I mean, what are our superlatives? Well, we're going to pick the best movie saw, the worst movie saw, the biggest thing nomination we wish to happen, the biggest win we wish would happen. Well, let's uh, maybe do second best thing. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I was talking about this on my other podcast. We have a rule that uh, whenever Tom Hardy, whenever we do a Venom movie, we can't give MVP to Tom Hardy because it's too obvious a choice. So I felt like that should be done with this one if it's a wonderful life. Essentially anything with it. I think that'd be fair, correct? And do we also, do we also want to do it in the opposite direction of Cellini? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's still a gaping chasm but of quality between It's a Wonderful Life and anything else we've watched. And I'd say the same with pretty much Selene, honestly. Which, by the way, stealth marketing, it's still up. Oh, nice. I did uh, check but that. I, what I want to say before we do our is I want to go through our statistics and say the awards we've given that or nominations we've given that were unanimous. Where all three of us agreed on the same thing. So... In our first episode, we all said that Alibi should have won Best Art Direction of its nominations. We all said Aerosmith should have won Cinematography. Other unanimous choices. We all, this makes sense. We all said My Man God 3, it should have gotten Best Actor Will and Powell. That, that's the unanimous one that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we all said Stage Door should have got Adapted Screenplay. We all said Jimmy Stewart should have won Best Actor. Obviously, yeah. For It's Wonderful Life. Oh, no, we all said Henry V should have been nominated for cinematography. That makes sense, too. And then Crossfire. Yeah, I was going to say, just last episode, yeah, two episodes ago, we all said supporting actors should have been to Robert Bryan. So, best film. Who wants to, should I go first on our best film? Besides, uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. All right. To me, it's pretty easy. I'm going with a movie I know now you're going to go with. It's The Crowd. I think The Crowd was the best thing we watched. Historically, it's really interesting. I found it. I watched it again a couple months ago. The music box showed it in 35 millimeter with a live uh, the organ there. Really nice. I still think it's a phenomenal work. Uh, definitely going to go with that one. It's, it's, and actually, it's a tie between two, but I want the one I know not even going to pick. So, Sarah, what's your favorite movie we watched? Oh, I don't know. Is it not <laughs> I would have to be. I would have to think about this. Um, I'm, I'm thinking right now. I can worse. I can hop in if you need a minute, yeah, Sarah. Go ahead. Uh, mine's Dead End. Dead End is a really fun uh, kind of proto noir that was also a movie I probably wouldn't have ever uh, sought out. So a good hidden gem, um, and probably still my favorite. Uh, combination of set design and cinematography that we've had okay that's a okay i didn't like it that much but whatever i, I know you guys didn't neither like the, of you did I, yeah. well, I don't know you like the crowd so it's whatever like i can't really complain about it i'm gonna say the killers i thought the killers was was a good thriller i thought it was goofy but entertaining and better than double indemnity double indemnity was the one i almost picked because that wasn't obvious what i said no, no, my my second pick was going to be Talk of the Town, but I also know that neither of you would put that up there. So I Talk, don't of, the town, that Talk of the Town is probably top five to me. I'm going to okay. be honest, some of these movies I do not remember. So, I do yeah, not Talk know. of the Town is probably top five for me. So. Talk of the Town was the closest we've gotten to queer representation on the podcast. Uh, I mean, technically, Crossfire. Uh, oh, technically, yeah, yeah. technically, that was the closest because it was based off. Um, all right, the worst film we've watched. 
I, I'll just be right up front. Criterion, your, full, your selection committee is full of idiots. The worst film we've watched besides The Fairs of Selene is Love Affair. It's boring. There's no romance in it that actually feels tangible. And then you got that car accident in it. Oh, we should have worn best car accident, by the way. That should definitely be a word we get out. <laughs> that's so, whatever the ripoff of My Man Godfrey, where it rolls down the hill. <laughs> that's, that's, the the that's the best one. <laughs> the one where they actually rolled down. But Marilyn was so that good. One. That one was good. The crowd does have a good one, too. I'll, I'll, I'll fight for the crowd a little bit. The crowd does have a good one, yeah. <laughs> actually, mine doesn't have. My second worst doesn't have a car accident, but it does have a horse and buggy accident. Madame Curie. That's really what bad. A, <laughs> what a waste of such a good subject matter. Have you watched the um, Amazon one yet? I know you said you were thinking of it, but no. Uh, no, it's on, it's on my short list. But um, yeah, when you have to watch movies for your three podcasts sometimes oh, that short list gets bumped I, I'm, I'm well aware of that struggle we're about to do a take a ytd episode uh anyway <laughs> sarah what was uh um your worst? well for the sake of being different i guess are you gonna pick madame curie i was um i'm looking through my list here uh, what was the one that was like a ripoff of My Man Godfrey? Merrily We Live. The one with the car accident that was really good. Oh, uh, well, I can't I, give it to that. I was going to say, I think Merrily We Live might be a tad bit better than My Man Godfrey because of the car accident. <laughs> um, no, because uh, The racism is pretty bad. Had, yeah, it had the weird racism. Yeah. Which there was racism in My Man Godfrey too, but it was shorter. I'm going to have to say probably My Man Godfrey. It was my only man. because my my, my letterbox review says the worst one so far, but I'm pretty sure I say <laughs> that about like four of them. <laughs> that was after Selene, wasn't it? I think it might have been. I don't know. Time blends. I don't know. Is there a movie that y'all want to revisit and reevaluate? I mean, technically, I've already done it. The crowd was it for me. Um, Reevaluate all around. Let me look at some of these bad ones. The ones I gave mediocre scores to. Maybe probably Morocco. Morocco, yeah, that's a big one. I feel like that's the one that I've seen over people say, no, this is actually great. I'm like, maybe I could see it. Like, maybe, but I do want to give some distance from it before revisiting it. Because I'd also played the music box version. I just didn't go because, you know, I just watched it for this and I didn't like it that much. Hey, can I change my answer for what? <laughs> Which one, worse or best? Or best car best. crash? <laughs> I'm going to change mine to The Thin Man. Thin Man is the really good. Was fun. Yeah, Thin yeah. Man is really good. I think the most underrated... Well, let's do most underrated. Well, I, I didn't say what I would revisit. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you did. I would probably revisit... Maybe Captain Blood. I feel like there was potential there. I just wasn't really into it. So maybe on rewatch, I would maybe if I watched more like Errol Flynn, I would be more into it. Actually, can I change my answer? For oh, sorry, who's gonna stop you? <laughs> well, Caleb, you were about to say something about uh, Sarah's thoughts. Well, no, I was gonna say mine's probably Stage Door because oh. I the Indian I really do think is gonna drag it down no matter what. But I want to give that another shot just because I love the cast so much. 
and it was a very different film for the time. I'm I'm gonna change my answer because the thing with Morocco is I feel like Morocco's type of movie I want to revisit just because you know like the canon says it's so good. But in terms of me, I think I actually would like it more on rewatch, significantly more. I would want to revisit the Little Foxes. That was one I feel like I was mm. a little hard on, and I remember us talking about it and me being like, "Seems like I missed a lot of like the subtext here." Or like, it was good. I, 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 was... I feel like I might like that one more if I revisited it. Because I remember thinking I really didn't like it, but then I gave it the diplomatic three out of five just because I was like, I think there are points to be made that this was actually good. I did like the Little Foxes. Yeah. Do, is there any other side awards we can think before big ones where it would be we look at what we've said should have won and should have lost? Uh, best romance. I mean, we got this quote, but it's a wonderful life. Uh, I mean, we don't necessarily out? have to, but I mean, won't we all pick it's a wonderful life? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, none of us will pick, despite it being nominated for like great romances by the AFI, Double Indemnity. I don't oh, get yeah. it. I don't get that one. <laughs> Can I cheat and say best bromances? No. Because if so, I think Cary Grant and Ronald Coleman, the talk of the town, would be my pick. That was going to be my pick for best romance because Uh, I refuse to let this go. Well, sure. Like I I think that is the most. I think that is the most chemistry I've seen in anything we've watched. Is those two? If I have to pick like a canon romance, I also cheat and say the first half of Love Parade and turn it off once they get married. Worst romance goes to four daughters. Was that no, that one was about no, the no. <laughs> Was that your favorite? <laughs> oh wait, no, no, I'm not gonna cheat. Thin Man, Thin Man has the best romance. Thin Man does have really good. <laughs> Aloy. Yeah, they're great. Well, Maybe you really want to seek say, out the other movies because I'm toxic. I think I have to say. Four daughters had the best one. But which one? There you know were four. I'm, you know I'm all about Mickey. This is a Mickey household. We, we got to fix him, fix him, make him better. Just get him before he makes his own lightning. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about that movie. Oh, can we talk most most bizarre movie we covered? I think it's Random Harvest. <laughs> that is the weirdest movie we've covered. <laughs> Fred and Marvis is pretty bizarre. <laughs> I mean, the early ones, like Alibi and Love Parade, are just weird because they're old. I think Lady yeah. for a Day is also a little weird. Lady for a Day is a weird movie. Sure. I mean, I'm trying to remember all these. Lady for a Day is the, the other capper we watched. It's benefited by, be- by us watching worse class comedies afterwards. Yeah, that's fair. I think if I revisited it, it wouldn't be as bad. The weirdest one? I mean, Love Parade was very weird. The also, dog! My, <laughs> my reviews for some of these movies are so out of line. <laughs> it's just like the dog. Well, my review for Love Parade was Rip Prince Philip. I know he would have loved the Love Parade. <laughs> 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 I'm assuming this was shortly after he died. <laughs> How did I not like this? <laughs> um, uh, I think, you know what was a weird movie was? Not the weirdest, but I think Aerosmith <laughs> was a weird movie. Um, I'm sorry, I'm laughing at something else. <laughs> Aerosmith, Aerosmith was, was a weird one, but I liked it. It was just like how they cut it was just bizarre. 
But I think I think I have to agree. I remember having very uncomfortable feelings about random harvests <laughs> that I'm, I suppressed, but now they're all coming back to me. <laughs> I'm sad that that was that the last Ronald Coleman we watched, or was that Talk of the Town? I think Talk of the Town was last. Okay, thank God. And they were the same kinda, year. Oh, he he I keeps can't. coming back for us. I can't remember the joke of this, but I remember in Love Affair, I'm looking at my, my wins and stuff, and I gave it to supporting actors, this no-name actor in it. I think it's just because their character name was very dumb, but I can't find the character name online because I remember the character name was just superintended in the credits. What are the other awards he had for us, Danny? Um, well, it was just, you know, you look at what we've given awards to and what we haven't given awards to, and then we pick the one that's the best one. Wait, I, t- I totally zoned out because now I was looking for this guy. It says oh, it's was- Picklepuss! It's Picklepuss! 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 That's my game. It just said Orphanage Superintendent. No, I know. So I, that's I why I was know. looking for a script. I was looking for a script to see what his name is. And it's like, they don't let- they call me Picklepuss. That's all. That's the one he lied to dialogue he has in it. So, anyway. Uh- what was the question? So we got to look at what we've given awards to, like what should have won, what should have been nominated, what we're most passionate about on those. Okay. Well, Someone I'll go else, first. I know, I know, okay, you go. Because <laughs> I don't know yet what I want to give it a win well, to. Well, do we, are we, you know what, this one I feel like I'm allowed to say. Um, and that is Jimmy Stewart, obviously. Well, not yeah, that it was compared. That is a historical in- injustice that he didn't win for that. Well, I'm not going to pick that because, it's, as I said, I feel like it is a little too obvious. It is, but I think that that's a valid. I think that's valid for me to say. Sure. I want to go with, I, I'm deciding between two. I'm deciding between best score for Henry V. But I felt like that score was immediately iconic. But I think I'm going to go with my boy, best director, Ingvador, the crowd. It's phenomenal work. Listen, the Academy got this wrong almost all of the time. Their nominations sucked for these movies, <laughs> even the ones I liked. However, if I if I you know if I'm saying aside Jimmy, um, cinematography for Dead End, like that is Greg Tolan firing on all cylinders. Um, probably not his best work of his career, but definitely really good work uh, for the time. Okay. No, Listen, maybe. <laughs> Uh, and then what nomination we both most wish would happen? I'm going to pick one from a movie we haven't mentioned in this recap yet. And that is The Letter, James Stevenson. It's a bit of a thing because he um, passed away. Wait, hold on. This is, he was nominated. Oh, no! That was who I meant to pick for my one. Okay, sorry, King Vidor. I'm picking James Stevenson to win. Sorry, I'm jumping back. I'm sorry. Now I can actually think about the other one. But that, that is who I had in, in mind to pick. Uh, James Stevenson is who I'm giving the award to. Sorry. Sorry for the unclarity there. Because I think it's a really great performance. And it's a bummer he passed away because I could have seen him becoming one of the great stars of the 40s and 50s from it. Um, sorry about that, to jump back on that. Now I can actually figure out what I want to nominate. Oh, my gosh. Best visual effects. <laughs> Mary Lou- Uh, that's a good one. Honorary mention to Jeanette McDonald for Love Parade. I think that her role isn't very good, but she was 
still uh, one of the people I kind of go back to and think about when I think about good performances. But my actual pick would be my boy Ned Sparks for Lady for a Day. I love him. He's really good on that. That's a good choice. Um, I don't know how valid this is because it wasn't an award at the time. But I'm going to have to say um, best costume design for Morocco because, I mean, that suit. It was pretty iconic. He's nominated several times on our podcast, but my personal favorite Ronald Cole... Well, okay. My second favorite Ronald Coleman performance was not nominated. Why not give him a nom for it? Aerosmith. I thought he was great in Aerosmith. He makes the whole movie work. I got one more for you. Best animal. The dog in Love Parade. Better than Skippy? I think I think Skippy's got this on lock. Which one's Skippy again? The, the dog in Love Parade. Oh, Skippy's okay. I the think dog the dog that in Love Parade. I nominated. <laughs> Did you? Yes. <laughs> it is a good dog. That's that's actually why I pulled my cat nomination last time. I'm like, oh, if I nominate the cat, that's disrespectful for to Skippy. Yeah, because that was a valid. Me. That wasn't a joke. That's valid. <laughs> I truly believe that Skippy had an award worthy performance in that movie. Skippy was really cute. The dogs in the letter were also really cute. <laughs> All right. So what do we think was the best episode we recorded? Uh, I liked our Christmas special. I did too. Full disclosure, I don't listen to this. So I don't know how they turn out. <laughs> <laughs> there was one episode. There's a slingy one where we're just having a breakdown. Um, <laughs> I think maybe there was one episode where I was a little bit... No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> There's been an episode like that for each of us, I think. Um, I'm going to say the Shakespeare episode. The uh, the Henry V episode was also pretty good. That was going to yeah. be my pick. I thought our Henry V episode was good, especially considering what the movie gave us to work with. It wasn't really much. Kind of like today, when I picked the wrong movie. <laughs> I feel like the first episode we kind of got our groove was Aerosmith. And I also, I liked my vaccination special uh, historical context for that. But I mean, It's a Wonderful Life was the one we had the most passion for. Um, I also liked uh, Four Daughters. I do like how that just dissolved into us talking about which of the love interests we'd go after. Similarly, I liked our Talk of the Town episode. I feel like our talk of the town episode kind of went that way too. I don't remember that much about that one. So, well, it was a the better George Stevens movie by a long shot. I mean, Vital. after we finish recording, I just block it all out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> repress it. Repress. We don't need to think about it anymore. That's fair. Can we? I have. I have one, but this one does not quite. This doesn't apply to all of us. But, spoiler alert, is there an episode that you're looking forward to doing? Can I say right now, I want to embargo a certain movie in the 80s that Sarah should know which one I'm talking about, because I really want it to be a surprise to Caleb. I will take off my headphones for this section, because I know only three movies that we are watching, okay. and they're, like, they've all, all right. b- b- yeah, so. Take it off. Can you hear us? Shake your head no. 
All right. So obviously, uh, the one I want to keep from Caleb is that Star Trek Four inexplicably qualifies <laughs> for this podcast. So, yeah. so that is the, that's the big one. I also think the Godfather Part Three will be fun because uh, I haven't seen Part Two. Sarah hasn't seen Part One or Part Two. Hopefully, I see Part Two by then, though. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I'll probably end up watching this. The Star Trek ones, I won't. Yeah, well, I I haven't seen I haven't seen all the Star Trek movies either. Let's look at the upcoming list. I am not too excited about Toy Story. I was gonna say that's kind of, but I think that there are some ethical issues that have arisen talking about it. Um, I'm Uh, excited. I'm excited for American Graffiti and Elephant Man. Those are two big ones I haven't seen. Let me. I'm gonna check real quick because I think he's getting antsy. Um, <laughs> I feel like there was another one that I was like really. I was Don't into. Look up. No. Oh wait, uh, Kalo. I hope you're still covering your ears because this next one I'm gonna say is one I'm really looking. Okay, this is just a side story. Uh, in our D and D campaign with Caleb, he told me we were talking. I don't know how it came up. We're talking about Disney remakes, and he goes, "I'll never watch Mary Poppins Returns." <laughs> Ah, jokes on him. Anyway. Um, I would say a couple off the top of just looking at this list, maybe um Prince of Tides, just because, you know, being yeah, director so- is considered a very big snob at the time. Um uh, Hopefully there aren't any more mess ups in here like uh Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean I get to come back here. No! Not quite. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, a couple. I mean, like Amelie is pretty cool. Um, Can't wait to talk about Toby. Uh, guys and Dolls is cool. I like broadcast we, news. We're just dropping yeah. all the exciting ones. Yeah, this is a big spoiler warning for everybody yeah. else. Hopefully, um, at some point down here, we have um, some guests. I already have a list of people who want to come on for the Scorsese movies that we'll be covering. So, wow, oh, maybe they, maybe they can, we can swap Sub in. Sub yeah. All right. I think that's. I I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick with my my gut feeling, and I'm gonna say um, Toy Story. I'm gonna go with. Um, well, I'm going with Star Trek. I think Star Trek will be good. okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, Caleb, we're good. You can come back. You can come back. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't hear any of that. Hopefully Joe... I had y'all, I had y'all muted. Hopefully Joe doesn't hear, uh, tell you any of that either when he edits this. Yeah, this is... Ta- that was confidential <laughs> info. This is embargoed information, Joe. Sure. Listen, the only thing Joe tells me when he edits this is that I need to get closer to the mic and Sarah needs to figure out a way to turn up her game. So, like... He also says things about you, Danny, but I don't want to get into a whole thing right now. Oh, well, you know what I say to Joe? I say to Joe, say it to my face. <laughs> you have my phone number. All right. Any other things you're saying, review in, in the future? Blah, blah, blah. It's been cool seeing the development of cinema from like things that shouldn't be considered film like Alibi to you know actual <laughs> golden age filmmaking. I, I'd argue we're still a little far from the golden age, <laughs> at least in what we're watching. 
I have hopes. 40s and 50s count as golden age. I I would just say the movies we're watching aren't great. I know in the 50s, we will start hitting some of those really, like, big classics. So Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about, like, four bold definitions. We would do our drum roll and everything, but we already told you next week we're covering uh, Don't Rob the Crable. What's it called again? (laughs) Something about the stable. Don't, don't go to the stable. Back don't in the habit. Sta- come to the stable. Sister, sister act. We're coming to that. No, it is come to the stable. You're right. It's a film about non-diasum. I don't have the information loaded up because this, this is a wacky episode. Ooh, this does have an actor in it who was in a previous film that we watched. Oh, is yeah. it Ned Sparks? It's uh, someone from a, from a very old film that we watched, though. So. Perhaps we will recognize him. It's got a few nominations, but no wins. Is it Mr. Chevrolet? What? <laughs> Mr. Chevrolet? Oh, Mar- Marie Chevalier? No. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm Danny Vincent. You can still my other podcast wise with Ty and Dan. My third podcast should be launching pretty soon. If you like Pixar movies, and if you don't like Pixar movies, are we really friends? <laughs> and you can follow me on Letterboxd at Blankets, where you'll probably find links to all those podcasts anyway. I am Caleb. You can find me at Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. And from there, you can find my litany of other podcasts. Hot Trash Unlimited, Star Wars Therapy, and the podcast I do with our editor, Joe, All New 52. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. I sounded, sounded so dejected. Next time, don't talk about my game, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry, Sarah, you can sign off, but do you know who directed Come to the Stable? Because we always say who the director is. Who? It's Henry Coster. You might not know who that is, but you might know his film from 1950. It's Harvey. Oh, with my boy. Ooh, I love Harvey. Yeah, it's from the director of Harvey. We oh, love Jimmy. Yeah. And we love that joke in Roger Rabbit about it, which doesn't make much sense because Roger Rabbit takes place before the movie comes out, but whatever. Anyway. Well, it was probably a play first. Anyway. It was a, pl- it was a play first. Yeah, go on. Um, yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd, Terrakinoff. Obviously, I have some, some hidden gems on there. Um <laughs> You can find me on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at SGK29, E-S-S-G-E-E-K-Y-29. You can find us, the Snub Club, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Snub Club Pod, and Instagram, Snub Club Podcast. Well, maybe you can find us on Instagram. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> and make sure to join us next time because we have a special guest. John Wayne. We've got his corpse. <laughs> Bye. Bye.